This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, the Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods and I'm here. As always... With Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, just making it through the weekend. It's very hot in Texas. I would like to just share that. I I know it's hot everywhere, so I can't just be like, it's only here. It's pool weather. You probably live somewhere where it's pool weather, so I hope that you're out at a pool listening to this with sunscreen because melanoma does not care what color you are. Put some sunscreen on. Um... So just like vibing. It's been good. How are you? Doing well. You know, we had some real hot weather the other day. Um, yesterday and today has been a lot better. I did some some yard work today. You know, I got out there and, and, and got the – there were some nasty weeds like next to our driveway. So I got the some hedge clippers and some – the weed whacker, and I was out there doing it. And I felt good about myself, and then it was done. It took me about maybe 40 minutes, and then when I was done, I was like – I felt like I just played like a basketball game. I was so tired. And I was like, wow, I'm really out of shape. So that's kind of what my life is right now. But I, I, I'm trying to get back into it. I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to eat a little better, maybe start exercising a little bit. As you know, I started a new job recently. So yeah, I haven't had a lot of time. To, thank you. Thank you. And I, I haven't had a lot of time. Usually at work, I, it's the same. I work at Iowa State. And so I'm still working at Iowa State, but it's in a new department. So usually I work out at... Um, the gym at Iowa state over like my lunch break, but I've been so, you know, inundated with new things that I haven't had a chance to do that very much. So I'm hoping now that I'm a couple weeks in starting this week, I can get back into it. So it's, uh, it's goals, you know, we get, it's all, it's important to have goals. So that's what I'm trying to do with my life, with my lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel that that's a lot of, it's a lot of life. It's, I think having the goals, one well it can get you trapped in that i hate this i hate this about like our generation and it probably is like other generations but that hustle culture of just like always doing something but i it is important to have goals so you can work towards that but also take some time to work out at, during your lunch hours so that you're just like happy and good and doing things for you um i although I, I do understand it, it's harder. You're a parent. It's it's a very different life than what I live. Like I see children for approximately two hours a week when I'm in a classroom with them. And I'm like, hey, can you just like sit down? I can't imagine doing that 24-7. So doing a lot. Hopefully the hustle culture is not getting to you. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were catching up and I was kind of talking about how last year, this is wildly off subject for our for our podcast, but I was thinking about... I was thinking about like the American concept of like productivity and um, like the the culture of that and how what's been exposed, I guess, over the last 16 months or whatever um, with people with so many people working from home and like realistically, especially at the beginning of, of the pandemic last year, it's like I'm trying to survive throughout the day. You know what I mean? With two kids and we're all at home and like I'm working when I can. But like no one goes to work and works eight hours. Like that's just that's not no. what people do. They don't work a full eight hours, even if you're at your job for eight hours. And so this concept of like productivity and always having to like be doing something and uh I, that's something I've been chewing on lately. And how unrealistic those standards are that we set and how it's just this unspoken thing that like 
no one actually does that, but you don't have to. You don't have to work eight hours in order to be productive. And and what is what does it even mean to be productive? Those are types of things I've been I've been thinking about recently. So I I am doing my best to not let uh, the hustle mentality get the best of me because I don't want that. I don't want to. I don't want that to be in my uh, in my state of mind, um, especially with what's going on now. I want to be thinking about more positive things than that and more worthwhile things than that, frankly. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I think that's important. Um, man, the way we there are studies that show that we are not even in that, like, quote unquote, eight hours. We are productive for three hours of that. Like, why do we have a 40-hour work week if, I don't know, when you kind of hit your I-can-no-longer-think time? For me, it's roughly 1 p.m. I get there, and I'm like, you know what? I My brain can no longer put together a sentence, and, like, it's just not a good time. And for some, like, my job is writing things, so I'm like, oh, I need to write a sentence. But at, by that point, I'm like, wow, I have maxed out on anything useful so I can put down crap and then come back and edit it tomorrow morning. Um, but we definitely, the last year has shown to your point, like that's just, we can't do this hustle culture. And like, it's, it's known that no one's working that full eight hours, unless you work for like Goldman Sachs and then God bless you. Uh, if you work for like a big four, if you work in finance, you're also using something else to help you get through the day. The rest of us cannot afford to do that. Um, as it turns out, uh, we don't start out at $100,000 as an analyst, like straight out of college. Um, no shade, but it's just facts. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good that you are like very cognizant of it and are intentional about your time. I think we have to. I think you really hit on it. They're like we have to be intentional with our time, especially as you said, those who are those of us who aren't making six figures. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, it's just. I don't know. Like we spend so much of our time just trying to like, just survive and not implode on ourselves because of the state of things generally. So, um, continue to be mindful of that is my su- suggestion or advice to you listeners. Be intentional with your time. And don't let uh, this fucked up system um, corrupt you. That's, that's a very a, that's good. That's the very simplified version of what I want to say. Um, and for the rest of that conversation, maybe we'll have a different podcast at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, like, kind of leading into what we're talking about. We're talking about Star Wars. We're not. We're not talking about anything heavy. Um, we are going to get into the sequel trilogy. So maybe if you have some really strong feelings about the sequel trilogy, this could be heavy for you. Um, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about how it ends. If you haven't seen it by now. So rise of Skywalker came out in 2019. You had a year and a half of pandemic time to watch this movie, which is what I did. And got drunk watching it because this movie <laughs> was so bad. But um, we're, we're not only going to talk about this one. We're going to talk about The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we're here. This is our last of the Star Wars movies. Well, the trilogies that we're going to talk about. And then we'll get into some other Star Wars things in the coming weeks. But yeah, we're going to get into the trilogies now. And really just talk about how... George Lucas stepped away. He had no involvement with these movies. It tells the story of uh, a rogue stormtrooper, a random person in the universe who you think is random. And then, of course, you're like, the story's about them. So, of course, Ray is not that random. I don't think any of us saw what was coming. And then, of course, um, for anyone who's seen the original trilogy, Leia and Han Solo's son, Kylo Ren, kind of just follows these people through... A new, a new storyline. It had potential to be a very new, different storyline. Um, the Force Awakens. It's just you know you, you see Ray. She gets found as soon as um, Finn, who is the former stormtrooper, they kind of find each other and they're off on an adventure. Kylo Ren is part of like he's on like the dark side pretty much. Um, 
poor guy was like, nah, this ain't it. The Jedi order that Luke tried to rebuild. And then it kind of just, the three movies follow along through what's happening with them. Um, and, and I would say like starting with the force awakens, there are some parallels with, um, a new hope. Like you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that one of the big I have this in our outline, but like one of the big criticisms I think of of The Force Awakens is that it too closely followed A New Hope. It kind of um, yeah. The the you know, every beat that it hit in terms of like the random person from the sand planet who gets yeah. caught up into this big resistance, rebel alliance, you know, whatever and it you know, like all of the beats were kind of the same. Um but yeah, I mean, I like the movie, and I I think that we should kind of talk about maybe the anticipation of the of the movie coming out, right? So like, so Disney buys Star Wars from George Lucas in 2012, and it's announced almost immediately that you know they're going to produce a new trilogy, um, a sequel trilogy to the original trilogy from the 70s and into the 80s, and that was a big deal. I think that the the prequels, which we previously discussed i mean obviously those kind of left a, a bad taste in people's mouths and so you know seven years after revenge of the sith it's announced that they're going to start a new one they're going to start a new trilogy that you know begins um 10 years after revenge of the sith but in star wars times it's i think like 20 years maybe after return of the jedi something like that it's 30 years after 30 years, okay. the destruction of the second Death Star. Okay, yeah. So that's announced, and um, it's a big deal. And there's, you know, they, they they cast some people in the movie. You mentioned the rogue stormtrooper who is um, played by John Boyega. And then the, the scavenger from Nowhere, Ray, is played by Daisy Ridley. And then Kylo Ren, who you also mentioned, is played by Adam Driver. Um, John Boyega, I knew from Attack the Block, um, great movie, great British movie. Um, Daisy Ridley was basically an unknown. I think that this was her first like movie role. And then Adam Driver, I knew from from Girls. Um, but what, what did you think when it was announced that there were going to be a, a three new Star Wars movies? What was your initial reaction to it? Were you excited about it? Were you apprehensive? Or, or what were you thinking, if you remember? I think I was pretty excited. So I would have been in college when they were announced. I think I was in college when I was in grad school when The Force Awakens came out. And so I saw it kind of late because I did nothing. I saw no movie on time during that two years of life. I don't remember. Um, I I remember being excited. I was like, oh, okay, so Disney's going to acquire Lucasfilm. And so I'm like, okay, like with this money. And by that point, I knew that George Lucas like had a great vision, had a great story going. But I did understand that like the dialogue left something to be desired. And um and so I was like, okay, this is this is great. Like they I I didn't really like look too much into the details. You know, again, I was I was in like grad school. I didn't have time to be like, what are the details of this acquisition and what does it really mean? I didn't know. I was stupid. It's fine. Um, so I didn't think about the fact that he would have like zero say in like what the story would be. I still kind of assumed like, oh, he'll like have some have some say because like this is still his story. Like this came out of like his mind. So like he can give us a good story not necessarily with like all of those key details of watching, like again, going back to the dialogue, but that can be helped. Like you can have someone who you can have a good editor, good writer who's just like, Oh, here, I I understand the scene you're trying to set. Here's how you kind of incorporate the language that goes with it. Like I, I, as someone who has never done anything with a screenplay halfway through reading one, I'm like, Oh my God, I have to Google things. Um, I, I think that there would have been potential there. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be great. This is going to be, these are going to be great. These movies are going to be so good because we have amazing effects now. It, I was pretty excited. I was pretty amped. Like, do you remember kind of how you felt when you heard that there were going to be more movies? Yeah, I think it was the this first initial feeling where it's like, it, you're kind of like grappling with thinking that, 
you were done. Like, I, I just didn't anticipate any more Star Wars movies being made, which I think was dumb on my part because it's like that intellectual property is just, you know, largely it's going to print money usually. So they don't usually let things like that die. You know what I mean? Like, they're always going to go back to that well. And so I remember liking, you know, the last movie, Revenge of the Sith, came out when I was 16. And I, it's a movie that I like. And I remember, for me, like, it, I didn't leave with a bad taste in my mouth just because, you know, I was so young. And, like, the third movie I liked. And I think that as time progressed, as we've stated on previous podcasts, right, like, the the prequel movies kind of just, like, lessened and lessened in people's minds, and the discourse around those movies was so, you know, negative usually. But by by the time it's like 2005 or whatever, I'm like, whatever. It's like, I like Revenge of the Sith. It's cool. And then, you know, so this movie gets announced that, or the trilogy gets announced. And to me, I guess the, the initial thing was just like shock. Like, okay, wow, I didn't anticipate this happening again. And, I, you know, a little bit after that, they, they announced that J.J. Um, Abrams is going to to direct. And I remember thinking like, Okay, like so he was coming off of Star Trek, right? The 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 first two Star Trek movies that he directed, which um the first one I loved. And actually I like the second one too. Uh the second one is kind of like critically and fandomly like pretty reviled, I think. But I remember I've only seen it once, but I remember seeing it and and enjoying it. But the first one I just love, like the first Star Trek that came out in the first rebooted Star Trek that came out in like 08 or or 09 or whatever. I really enjoyed that movie. And so, but also with the knowledge that there are some people who didn't, there are Star Trek fans who didn't like it because they felt like it was too much like him trying to do Star Wars. And so he actually gets the Star Wars movie. He finally gets to do it himself. And I'm thinking like, that's okay. That's interesting. It's kind of weird that he does Star Trek and now he gets to do Star Wars too. Like I was kind of remember thinking like I wish someone else could kind of get their hands on the material a little bit maybe and kind of diversify who gets to tell the stories but overall I was cool with it and the casting you know I I loved the fact that they had a, a black actor as one of the main roles I remember thinking you know when it was announced that Boyega got, Boyega got hired I was like okay cool so 2012 when it's announced I was uh, I was out of college by then um working in tv news about to in december is uh when i started working at my, the job after that but i was you know early adulthood and it's a time in my life where movie wise i was just trying to consume everything like every big movie i wanted to see so star wars is a big movie so i was excited for that and then you know i i wanted to ask you do you remember when you saw the trailer for the force awakens the first time um how did you feel about that where you did that kind of like exceed your expectations or what do you remember about seeing the trailer? I remember being excited. Like I, I was super excited that there was going to be more. I didn't think that like, to your point, it's like, Oh, I thought it was over. Um, and so when it was like announced that there was going to be another, there were going to be more movies. And then I saw the trailer. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. Like each time a new trailer was like came out for these movies, I was like, yes, I'm excited. I also set realistic expectations because for like I said the first one came out when I was in grad school the second one came out when I had started like my first job out of grad school so I like I worked two jobs like I ended up taking a second job so I didn't like see it immediately but like every time I you know I'd go on the internet I'm like oh I want to see these but like I don't have time to see them I was still like very excited to go and see them so the trailer drops, and I was very excited too. I liked the look of it. I liked how it was kind of going back to like the original, you, you know, before yep. the prequels type style, type feel. And that was a, another big criticism, as I think we mentioned before as well, of the, of the prequels is how heavily CGI'd it was and how, it, you know, everything was basically on a green screen. And this was more like, you know, they're shooting on location in places and there are more practical effects. So um, I was excited about that. And then, yeah, seeing the movie, I was 26 when the movie actually came out. And I remember seeing it with um, three of my friends. Uh, we saw it opening night or, you know, you know how movies come out on like Thursday nights now, for real. We saw it on the Friday night. Um, 
And I was really big at that time. And really, I was like this up until Endgame came out. But um, I was very like, don't go on social media. Don't get spoiled. You know what I mean? Like trying to dodge all that. I don't really do that as much now. Um, I think that coming out of the pandemic, it's just there's there's less of a a fever around of uh, dodging spoilers or people posting spoilers. Maybe that's not the case. That's just kind of the, the sense that I've got. But I remember like shutting off my social media and like going to see it. And um, I liked it. I liked the force awakens. I, I understand the criticisms of it, but um, I thought it was a fun movie. I, and I really liked the casting. I liked the characters. And uh, so the mixing of the, the new characters with the old characters, I thought that that was, that was interesting to me because I didn't anticipate it being like half and half. I thought that the, you know, Han Solo and, uh luke and who's only you know briefly in the movie even though he like looms over the entire movie um and princess leia it's it's very it's i anticipated the movie being more about daisy really john boyega oscar isaac adam driver and then the other characters from the original trilogy kind of like fill in the margins but it's not that it's it's very much it's both of their movies and it's less of a handing off to a new generation and it's to me it was more of like it's it's both of their stories simultaneously which i wasn't expecting so what did you think of that um plot wise or narrative wise it it being such more of a combination of the of the two generations more so than the younger generation kind of taking over immediately i i think i agree i thought it would be more about the younger because i watching the sequel trilogy it is very much about like young Anakin. And while the original trilogy is kind of about Anakin Skywalker, it's really not. It's about Luke. And so I guess I just thought that like this trilogy or like, you know, starting it with this movie would be more about these new people coming in or people that were not as central to previous movies. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is like in the the sequel trilogy. Like every single movie he has like a role and is like one of the main characters. But in the like original trilogy, you know, he's just like hanging and he's like part of the first movie and important, but like I still don't feel like it's the same weight as having Luke, Leia and Han Solo. Like, they had a large part in this, and, like, that's cool. I'm sure they were trying to do some kind of lip service to fans, which, I mean, they are. They're doing that with a lot of things that they're making, like Disney is. When I say they in this context is, like, Disney absolutely is, like, fan service. They are here to, like, speak to the fans. They're like, yeah, we we want to, like, have you engage with what we're making, and we we want you to like this. And it's almost to a point that it like is to their detriment. Like it really comes out in the rise of Skywalker. You don't see it as much in the force awakens, but they still like they're sprinkling it in a lot in the force awakens. I agree so much with what you're saying because it's interesting because you mentioned earlier about how George Lucas doesn't really have anything to do with this trilogy, right? Like he gets, he gets like the title of like creative consultant or, or whatever it is that was probably like in his contract um, upon selling the, selling the company. But he's talked about how he didn't like, he had some story treatments that they just didn't use. And he was going to take it in a completely new direction. And one of his criticisms of the film was that it was too much like his, right? Like he wanted them to keep pushing to do new and different stuff, because I think that that's what he felt that he did when he was originally, um, you know, making these movies, but like it's and and there was a, I, I, I remember listening to this about uh, on binge mode when they were tackling the Star Wars movies, but they had this quote from one of the Disney execs who was like, okay, I understand that you want us to do some new shit, but like at the same time, we have to give people what they want, right? Like we have to give them the comfort food to show them that this isn't completely different from what you're used to. We know what you want and we, we know what you're familiar with and you want what's familiar. So we have to kind of spoon feed you, you know, here's Han Solo back in his vest, back in the Millennium Falcon, right? Like still going out to save the day. 
And I think that that was uh, you're so spot on with the rise of Skywalker because the last Jedi tried to deviate a little bit from what was expected uh, in a way that really it's, it almost gets too much credit for because there's still, you know, fundamentally Luke is the good guy in the, in the last Jedi. Luke saves the day in the last Jedi, not in the way that they, not in the way that people might've wanted or anticipated, but he is very much the hero of the movie. So there's still the same familiar beats, but like there are some, some deviations from that. And, you know, people there was I, I think that there was a loud minority of people who didn't like the movie i think generally the movie's pretty well liked but there's so there was such like the discourse around that movie was so toxic um that that, that it created this th- situation where disney was like okay now we have to overcorrect and go back and just you know stuff the a fake return of the jedi down your throat in this manner and now Ray is really a Palpatine and blah blah blah. So, which it, and it made for a really, in my opinion, bad cynical movie. And um, you know, which to what you said, you know, Disney. I don't know if you said this while we were recording or not. I don't think, but like they really fumbled the bag at the end by trying to to deviate too much towards what people wanted. In, in a sense, I guess. Yeah. No, that's like completely correct because, like you said, the Last Jedi went so outside of like what anyone expected so yeah there were some like loud complainers in general like i so i liked it and i wish like the rise of skywalker had gone in a similar direction to continue the story in a way that made sense and like kind of wrap up the last jedi and really like flow with it and I feel like it, like the rise of Skywalker does not flow out of the last Jedi at all. And so it's like very hard because again, like you said, Disney tried to overcorrect and it's like, no, we didn't want you to bring back like this old villain who was the villain for the first six movies. Like that's not, and it doesn't even make sense. Like it, it makes zero sense that this would be the ending. Like, like I said, I was I wouldn't say I was like hammered when I watched it. Like I drank, <laughs> I drank a bottle of wine, which is not that much. And it was over the course of the film, but it was like, still it kept going. And I was like, what? I don't, am I drunk? Cause this makes no sense. And I had to like, I was like texting friends. Cause like my friends were very like, we won't tell you what happens. And that was, I mean, that's good. I made it until like, March or April of last year of 2020 before I even watched it. Um, and I was like, what is this? I like avoided anything that was around it. And it could have been so much more because the last Jedi, while it made some people again, have some negative feedback, at least it was like different enough that you're like, yeah, this is, I'm interested in this. I want to know what's going on. I want to like learn more. I want to expand this universe because for, Many of us who enjoy Star Wars movies don't necessarily read all the books that have come out. Right. Like, maybe I should. Maybe that should be on my reading list. I should give up on what I'm currently reading and just, like, go to all the Star Wars books because there are so many. And it really flushes out the universe, which, like, that's cool. And you go in with, like, a baseline of knowledge about it it does make reading these books probably a lot easier. Um, and they could, they could have stolen from the books for the rise of Skywalker. And instead, no Palpatine, let's bring him back. Ugh. So I think, I think that we should kind of maybe talk about the, the plot of the last Jedi. I mean, I guess we should start with the, you, you mentioned the, um, the plot of the force awakens and then like going into the last Jedi. So, I think what made people mad about the last the last Jedi was was mostly Luke's portrayal. Yeah. Um, to me, it it I you know it it made sense to me. Yeah. The, the, it, it makes sense that he would be, um, you know, again based on the stuff that had happened in the first movie, which was set up by J.J. Abrams, and then you know Ryan Johnson directs the Last Jedi. But you know, Luke is a guy who is um, kind of defeated and kind of 
questioning his reality and, and questioning the foundations of his belief systems, which I mean, who doesn't have, who doesn't do that as they get older. Right. And especially after they've experienced the type of failure that he has, um, it makes sense to me that he would, you know, he's in exile again because JJ Abrams put him there and, you know, you don't go into exile because of you just coming off of a win, right. You're going off, you're going into exile because things are probably bad for you. And, you know, his portrayal is such that um, he's questioning the Jedi and, you know, he's questioning if what they're doing is if their methods are correct and things like that, which, again, I mean, you just saw three movies where the Jedi were complete dumbasses and let a fascist grow up right in their midst. So, I mean, why wouldn't you question that? So he, you know, he is hesitant to train Ray because of his failure with with Ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren. But the movie ends with him, you know, speaking to Yoda and realizing that he can still make a positive impact on what's going on. He can still um, it's still worth it to fight for this cause. And he, you know, his force projection is like one of the dopest things to me in the in the entire series. And his like his duel with Kylo there and he buys them time. He buys the rebels time. Um or the resistance time and you, you know, they're, they will, they're able to escape and, and live to fight another day. And the movie ends with, you know, a group of young people talking about Luke Skywalker saving the day and looking up to the sky, you know, inspired by him, which again, like that's foundational to star Wars. Like there, there's nothing radical about that. Like that's what star Wars is basically based on for the last 40 years. So this idea that it like destroyed something sacred about Star Wars or whatever is really wild to me. And so they let a bunch of, you know, bots and conservatives troll them into making this horrible movie where they resurrect a villain from 1983 who has unequivocally died. But they piece it together. Well, actually, no, he's a zombie and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just so stupid. It was so dumb. And... You know, this idea that Ray had to be in that lineage for her to be special is just really, it's cynical to me. It's really like only, you know, the message of The Last Jedi, one of the messages is anyone can be a force user. Anyone can become a hero. And the next movie just kind of does away with all that and says, like, no, you're only special if you have this blood lineage, which is really, again, cynical to me and really dumb and really, um, you know, I think that. Overall, the the reaction to the Rise of Skywalker was pretty pretty negative, um, as it should have been. So, um, it's just tough when you make these creative decisions based on a based on a hijacked discourse that was largely done in bad faith. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, do you think that you know in the seventies and eighties? It's a different world. So it's like apples and oranges to be like, oh, yeah, like we can actually compare it. But if we if J.J. Abrams had been like, yeah, I'm just not going to engage with any of the feedback from either of the last movies. And I get that it's like almost a five year timeline to like not engage between the time that the Force Awakens comes out and the time that the Rise of Skywalker comes out. Like, I, I do understand that that'd be a very long time to be like, yeah, I'm just going to get off of the internet. But like, do you think had he just been like, no, I just don't care about that feedback. It would have been a different movie. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Cause like, so the last movie was supposed to be, directed by Colin Trevorrow or Trevorrow or whatever, who, who made the, he made one of the Jurassic Park movies and that was pretty negative, negatively received. And that combined with the last Jedi, I think kind of made them, made Disney be like, okay, JJ, you got to come back, bro. You got to, you got to see us across the finish line. But it was just too much stuff in his ear. And it, I don't know how much of it was Disney. I don't know how much of it was JJ being like, okay, they undid what I did, so now I have to overcorrect too. It was probably a combination of the two. 
like I would have liked for them, you know, creatively in like something like Snoke, Snoke being killed, right? Snoke isn't the big bad. That was another thing that people didn't like. I like that because Snoke isn't an interesting character to me. Like he was a he was a projection on a wall, and which again, you know, you're following the beats of the original trilogy with the Emperor being the big bad behind it. But like I liked that the Last Jedi was like, no, Kylo is the big bad. Kylo is the interesting villain. Kylo is the interesting character, so we're going to go with him. Uh, that's what the Last Jedi tried to do, and then again, it gets overcorrected. Um, but yeah, to your question, like I, I wish that there was enough people in the room who were decision makers who had enough, like, I don't know, guts or like courage or whatever, or fortitude, however you want to say it, to be like, here's what's interesting creatively. Here's what's interesting narratively. We're not going to let, you know, Stars and Stripes 782431 on Twitter bully us into bringing back the Emperor as the villain and making Rey a Palpatine, right? Like, that's, I, I wish that there was enough people in the room to have made those choices but i mean maybe that's naive of me because you know they probably saw the negative reaction and the fact that the last jedi made a little bit less or i you know probably significantly less than the force awakens because the force awakens made like a lot of money and they probably looked at the numbers and were like yo we got to go back to to spoon people spoon feeding people the baby food that they want so it just sucks i don't know it's it's creatively and as a moviegoer who enjoys these types of stories it kind of sucks, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of sucks that, like, that's the, the end product that we got. Because I just don't think that it it lived up to... And this I'm saying this as someone who enjoyed The Force Awakens. Like, I understand the criticisms of it. But I think that it's... A, I thought that that was a fun, exciting movie. And then The Last Jedi, I just love. I thought that it was, like, creatively a, a, just a really interesting, like genuinely good movie and so for it to end like kind of flat on his face like that kind of sucks it's kind of disappointing oh yeah i i definitely agree with that like i the force awakens like watching it i'm like yeah this is like a movie that i i like re-watching and the last jedi i like re-watching it's the rise of skywalker i don't think i could re-watch it happily like Even the sequel or the prequel trilogy, I will happily watch Phantom Menace. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Have a have a glass of wine. This is good. Mm-hmm. Have it on while I'm like doing other things and like catch the pod racing, catch, you know, them going back to Naboo, like all of these things. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But like, I don't know if it was because I had such high expectations after seeing The Last Jedi. And again, this came out when I was in the middle of kind of my own personal hell. Um, So it wasn't like I was reading anything about it. I was just like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie eventually. And so then like The Rise of Skywalker comes out and my roommate at the time was like, oh, we should go see this. And he went without me and I was because I was like, I just don't know when I'm going to have time to see this. And I talked to people and they'd be like, you just, you need to see it. Like, so to have kind of the very like neutral responses from folks, I didn't have like wild expectations, but I had like some expectations going into it. And who, who, well said, <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, it is kind of a letdown and it's like you and it's, and maybe it's more of a letdown because like, it's not like JJ Abrams is like a scrub. It's not like anyone's like, yeah, I don't have faith in JJ. Like he is directing movies in one of the most like significant franchises of our existence. Like I have a friend who's like from China she grew up there and she's like, oh, I'm I'm watching Star Wars because her boyfriend's American. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, I know Star Wars is like the most American thing I can watch. Like, what? Your expectations should be pretty high for it. Like, yeah, right. like, this is one of the most culturally significant things we've put into the world. And this is how this most recent trilogy ends. Come on, man. It's a huge disappointment. It's hard. And I think. I, it it's just people want like 
this is going to sound really simplistic, but like people want like creative, interesting stories. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's why I think that like, it, it, that's, it's like almost contradictory to what I just said earlier, but like about, you know, wanting the same old thing. But like, I think that that's one of the reasons, cause like everyone hates Rise of Skywalker. The people who like, who hated um, the last Jedi, those are the same people who also hate Rise of Skywalker. Like there's a, I think that that's pretty, it's, like universally disliked because it was it's it's not first of all to your point it doesn't make sense like it's they're just they're hopping from planet to planet and it's just there's so much like it like in the beginning the first like 20 minutes are kind of like we're going to this planet we're going to that planet without any sense of like story or place or like what's going on but then like it just doesn't make sense even the people who hated the last jedi like you still have to like make some sort of connection to the last movie. It's like they tried to like cut a hole in the middle of the story and like act like nothing happened. Like it doesn't make sense. So I don't know. It's, I wanted to talk about this too, I guess, but I I do think that like, so we don't have like a, I, I don't think we're, we're not going to do an episode on this, but like there are also these anthology movies that were happening at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, there was, the first one was rogue one. And then they had um, the Han Solo prequel yep. movie, like going on at the same time. And then they had Mandalorian too. So like, it's kind of like flooding the marketplace with with Star Wars content. And I think that that was honestly to the detriment of the main sequel trilogy because in the past it's like this is it. Like all you, all we have are these movies. Like this is what we want you to focus on as a culture. You know, there's they had like the clone wars and stuff animated series going on too, but it was like to such a lesser extent. I think like the main focus was the movies. The main focus star Wars overwhelmingly was like the movies that were, were coming out at the time, mm-hmm. but now they try to like p- cast all their chips in all at once. And it kind of like, there was almost like this overload. And then also um, with like, with rogue one, rogue one was pretty critically like, pretty liked universally i would say did oh, you like yeah. rogue one? Oh yeah i thought it was i, th- I enjoyed it a lot i mm-hmm. saw it late uh, <laughs> it was another one where i'm like eh, i'm not <laughs> gonna see it on time um i enjoyed that one so much and me being the oblivious person that i am i'm like i don't know how this is gonna end should have known that's how it was gonna end um spoiler alert everyone dies um and i like I thought it was such an engaging one-off movie. I'm like, this is a good movie. Even if you're not into watching Star Wars, like, it's an interesting story. The acting is good. Like, overall, Rogue One is, like, it could be a standalone movie. It helps that there are other Star Wars movies to, like, get the full picture. But, like, it's a good movie. So Rogue One drops. People love it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it kind of takes away from it. I, I don't know. I think that those movies kind of take away, take away the focus a little bit. And that kind of, I think that that's to the detriment of the, of the sequel trilogy because they don't have the benefit of being the only content. And then like even the Mandalorian coming out, right. Which is like, uh, came out between, I think season one came out in between the last Jedi and, um, the force or uh, Rise of Skywalker, and like season one is like really like beloved, and then season two like takes it to even another level. Like season two comes after comes after, um, Rise of Skywalker, but like season two is just like on another level. Like it just it elevates it so much. It's but even so good. yeah, even season one of Mando is like so beloved, and it's just like okay, now we have other stuff to kind of focus on. So like, where does the sequel trilogy? fit inside of all of this so i think that i think that that kind of t- it kind of harmed the, the trilogy in that way do you what do you think of that like i i agree with it and it's only because so for folks who don't know the the sequel trilogy was like i, I think you mentioned there's supposed to be three different directors then it went jj abrams ryan johnson and then it went back to jj abrams and with that the only consistency is 
Kathleen Kennedy being a producer on the film. And then, of course, J.J. Abrams being a screenwriter for the first and third movies and being a producer for the first and third movies and the director. And I think that these movies still could have done well with Rogue One, Solo, and the Mandalorian coming out. Like, I don't think that star Wars fans would have been like, no, I don't want too much content. Cause that's like something every year. Um, and, and so I don't think it like floods the market. I don't think it, um, it doesn't do kind of what like superhero movies are doing. Right. So we have like several Marvel movies coming out. Like black widow came out last month. We have Shang-Chi coming out at the beginning of September, then there's the Eternals coming out like, and in Disney's defense, the pandemic. So like these movies weren't all supposed to come out at the same time, but like still Marvel has like a ton of movies coming out in the next couple of years. And for Star and, and yes, there are Marvel stands and I like, I respect that, but like the market gets oversaturated because we have all these Marvel movies plus any of like, you know, Loki, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You have three TV shows that just came out in the last, like, six months. Um, on top of <laughs> all of the DC content coming out. So, like, there's, there's saturation in the market for superhero things. There are things on TV. There, I don't know if Arrow, if The Flash, Supergirl, all those things are still, like, on TV. But they've all been on when Marvel movies have been coming out and DC movies when, you know, and there's going to be another Batman. Like there's so much superhero stuff and like, I'm going to watch it. I get that. A lot of us are going to go watch it cause there's nothing else to do. But like star Wars is unique because it's not like there are other competitors that are like, yeah, we're putting out other things. Star Trek and star Wars are so different that it's like, it, it is the audience, the audiences can like overlap, but they're seeking different things if the Star Trek movies do follow what Trekkies are hoping for. And there I, there aren't any Star Trek movies that are coming out anytime soon. They still have, like, a TV show, I believe. But, like, there's not, like, that competition. So I don't know if I think that having other Star Wars content coming out alongside these movies was a detriment. I think that the movies being not as solid as they could have been like a a plot twist i've never written a screenplay like (laughs) i'm sure that shocks everyone listening right now um but i would read your screenplay if you ever if you ever write one i would read it i would watch that movie thank you arnold that's so much faith in what could be (laughs) terrible (laughs) but like to me it makes sense to like write just a general outline of one two three Here's the flow. This is what's going to happen. Throw in there what you want. But like, this is generally what's going to happen in these movies. Like, am I wrong in thinking that's how this should have been done? So then we didn't have the issues of inconsistency once you got to the rise of Skywalker. Well, I want to go back to your point because you make a good point about the, the market being flooded by so much stuff. And that's something, especially right now with marvel that's a, a pretty it's a concern you know what i mean yeah. like they, yeah. they've had they've had relative success with the move with the tv shows um especially with loki um mm-hmm. they, they've had some they've had success with having the tv shows on again it's, it's a little different because coming out of the pandemic and you know backing up in their movie schedules and stuff like that but it is it is a concern with you know all this comic book stuff content at once and with with DC was you know I don't even know what the hell they're doing half the time, um, in terms of we've got this Batman we've got that Batman we've got you know it's just crazy. Um, I agree with that. I would say with Star Wars it's a little bit different with Marvel because we've been trained basically since the beginning with Marvel to have multiple things happen at least in the same year, right? Like we're used to having three Marvel movies in one year. Like that was you know pre twenty twenty. That's that's normal. And especially now with this backed up where we're getting four this year, I think, in like an eight-month time span with Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and the Spider-Man joint are all coming out this year. So that's four movies in one year. And we're kind of used to that in the sense of these movies are connected to each other. You know, the threads are interconnecting. Like we've been trained, I think, as consumers to anticipate that. 
versus Star Wars, where it's like, you know, from 1977 through 2005, it was you're getting one movie every three years, right? And like, this is it. You have to chew on this. That you know, it, it you have to chew on the Phantom Menace until Rise of the or Attack of the Clones comes out, right? And like, that's it. There's no more. There aren't any other movies. There's no other TV shows. Like, you have this is what you have. This in 1999, and then 2002, Attack of the Clones comes out, and 2005, Revenge of the Sith comes out. So there isn't a lot of like crossover interconnectedness like there is with Marvel. I think that that benefited Star Wars in that okay, you know, we don't have you know, Attack of the Clones comes out, and people are like yo, this is trash, but at least we have this other, um, we have a TV show like Mando to kind of tide us over a little bit. And we can see, okay, like this is good, but it also makes us think about how bad the movies are. So, like, that's kind of my, I, I don't know. Like, I think that there's, I, I, I think that the, the flooding of the marketplace is such an interesting question across all pop culture because it's at some point, I don't know, it's, and I'm as, I'm as deep into this stuff as anyone else, but at some point it's just like, you know, I don't have time to see all this shit. You know what I mean? So, and, and to, to dedicate, my brain space to all these different interconnected things. I don't know. Eventually I feel like I might have to tap out a little bit. I don't know. It's interesting. I I think you make a good point about tapping out. I think that that is where a lot of people are because before this next launch of like Marvel was announced, I remember talking to a lot of people who were like, I'm kind of done with this. Like I can't keep up with it. Like, and even myself personally, I haven't seen either of the Ant-Man movies. Um, I haven't watched the Hulk movies, ooh, but I have watched enough of the movies to like know what's going on once you get to Endgame. Um, and I think that's going to be where like a lot of people are with like these next Marvel movies. And maybe they get that way with Star Wars, depending on what happens next, right? So we... I assume we're going to have another season of Mandalorian and they'll like Disney makes all that will make a lot more content. I'm wondering if they will be a little more hesitant when it comes to any movies, just because of how these ones went, um, where it was just like kind of all over the place. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't necessarily want to have it coming out at the same time. Also, you've various other things competing. It's not like when I say like star Wars is like the only star Wars that's out there. Like, yes, it's not, like in a Marvel DC situation, but there are still other like good movies that are coming out. Like there's still great content being created from various studios that star Wars would have to compete with. And yeah, it doesn't feel like super sci-fi E, but it's enough that if like the, the casual movie goer, who's like not trying to see an action or sci-fi movie might pass it up. And that would have been like an opportunity if there was like, less competition which like is such a dumb statement now that it has left my mouth but like you kind of get what i'm saying where it's like yeah if you know that it's not going to be anything spectacular you're going to go see something else well you know that definitely there's some there's hesitancy about you know the 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 movies coming because ryan johnson was supposed to get his own like his own trilogy yeah like he was supposed to direct his own like after doing um after doing the last Jedi, like he was supposed to get his own like separate trilogy, like within the universe that had nothing to do with like the main trilogy, but, um, and was separate from the anthology series. He was supposed to have his own. And like, we haven't heard anything about that since Kevin Feige is supposed to be doing a star Wars movie. We don't know anything about that. Um, these things might still happen, but who knows, you know what I mean? Like they're going to be hesitant at this point. They're going to be reassessing things, especially in light of what's going on now with, you know, pandemic and and movie going trends and stuff like that and is it safe to go back to movie theaters fully and you know things are we're looking good and now they're you know the the variant is spreading and we'll probably have to wait until more people are going to get vaccinated hopefully but like i don't know they're going to be looking to see what makes them the most money what's what's the most financially you know like efficient and cost effective and i don't know you you want you want to put something out that people 
you know, this is this is their thinking, but you want to put something out that most everyone will like. And yeah. so that that again goes back to them being like, okay, what's the safest? Which kind of sucks. So I don't know. Maybe it will like, you know, you make a good point with like it being the pandemic and and for Star Wars, it's not like Star Wars fans expect a trilogy every couple of years. It was a good amount of time between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. It was a good amount of time between the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And so Disney could easily make that call and be like, you know what? Some of this didn't land and that's fine. And we're making other content because there was other Star Wars content that came out between each trilogy set. And so they could go, they could make a call and be like, you know, we're not going to make any more trilogy movies. Maybe we'll do a couple of like um, anthology movies. We'll do a couple of these things out here and then wait before they do another uh, chunk of movies. Because like when George Lucas, and he's talked about it where it was going to be like 12 movies, but four different trilogies. And like, he's like gone back and forth, but now that he no longer owns um, the rights pretty much, it could go that way. And Disney could kind of bring back star Wars in like 10 years and do something completely different that both speaks to what fans want while also bringing in new fans and creating like new and engaging content. And I think it's doable. Like it, there are enough people who would try to write a screenplay. That's like, engaging fun and the good thing is people are familiar with star wars a a writer does not have to be like oh let me explain the story of star wars like they can just say no this is what's happened this is like a couple characters that we draw from and then here's this new story like here's how we keep the old fans here's how we capture new fans i mean like it's easier said than done of course like writing is not a linear process (laughs) but I, I think that Disney will do it once we're out of this very bizarre climate that we're in. Well, to your point too, I think that there's, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of creative people who want to tackle this. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you hope that you can find someone again, who isn't the typical, you know, middle-aged white dude who, you know, we need some new takes on this material. We yeah. need some new perspectives and and we need some some creatives. You, you get a little bit of that on Mando with mm-hmm. uh, the different people who are directing, even though, again, it's like the show is run by like John, John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni. But you've gotten a lot of different diverse directors in there. So hopefully that can maybe carry over to the, the whatever they do movie wise with this franchise, because, you know, they're going to make the movies again. They're going to make feature length movies of this oh, again yeah. at some point. So you hope that we can get some new creatives in there and, and maybe we can, I don't know, get it into a new exciting direction. I think Disney will do it. And they're, I mean, like I hate that I keep paralleling it to Marvel, but like, that's the the thing that's like seared into my brain at the moment. And it's like, there have been women directors. There have been directors of color. So like that does give me hope for like star Wars that they could get, people of color in there they can get women in there they get like diverse perspectives to your point um because like you saw black widow it was good it was great yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. I enjoyed it um and like you watched loki woman mm-hmm. director like pretty much everyone is a woman that like had any say on anything on in that show mm-hmm. and it was very it was wildly successful like people like loki best of all of the shows that Disney has done that are Marvel shows so far. So like that, if I am an executive at Disney, which plot twist, I'm not, but I (laughs) guess I could be at this point. I could be like, Hey, hire me. I have a good idea. Hire women and hire writers of color. Facts. So that you can kind of bring in those diverse perspectives and get it to where people are like, man, this is like the best thing. Like every week I was excited to watch Loki and I'm excited to watch Mandalorian, like when it comes back on. But like, yeah, let's let's keep having some like some changes. It's good. We embrace it. <laughs> we'll we'll see what they do. You know, we're I don't know. It's I I don't want to be um I don't want to be naive, but I also don't want to be cynical. So I I I I'm gonna put it out there that I hope that 
some a group of people, a group of creative, diverse people kind of take this franchise into some new territory that um, is meaningful and, and interesting story wise. You know, I think I don't think that it's wrong to hope for that. So that's what I'm going to do. I think it's a good hope. And if Disney, if you're listening, this is our pitch. Hire us as consultants on this. Listen, we'll get the bag and we'll come with some new we'll get we'll come with some new ideas. So yes, please hit us. <laughs> listen listen to the listen to the pod and and just, you know, just give us a call. We're in there. We are. We we leave Iowa and Texas for a minute to go yeah. do whatever. It'd be fun. It'd be a change of scenery. Especially for that bag. Oh, oh my god. That's a it goes back to when we were talking about getting that ranch like George Lucas. Holy exactly. cow. <laughs> <laughs> um Man, and I like that this is like not super on topic of what we were talking about of like the uh, like Mandalorian and any of the anthology movies, but like at least George Lucas, you know, when he sold Lucasfilm, when he sold the rights, he's no longer the bad guy. So now he's on his ranch and no longer the bad guy because he's like, I had nothing to do with this storytelling. They say you can't blame me for this one. Y'all gotta somebody else gotta hold the L this time because this one isn't me. He pretty much said that, and I loved it. Like in 2008, he was like talking about you know would there be more movies? This is before he you know he sells to Disney. He's like, yeah, Star Wars is like the tragedy of Darth Vader, and I'm like, that's true. All right, that tracks. And he's like, once he dies, he doesn't come back to life. Uh, Luke doesn't get married, and the Emperor doesn't get cloned. And I'm like, yeah, like. All of that tracks in my brain. And like in 2008, I wasn't a fan who I was in high school. It wasn't like I was like keeping up with the news about George right. Lucas. And so it's like, it's very funny to like read that he said that and then like watch these movies. I'm like, this is not his journey. You know, it's not his journey. And then like he gave like his general idea and they didn't really like take his ideas and run with them. They picked and choose, but he was like, I'm he, he was retired and he's like, I'm just going to like live life. And I gave them what I thought and they didn't take it. Like I can't do anything about that. And I'm like, that has got to be the hardest thing to really be like, here's an idea. This is what my vision is. And have people be like, nah, (laughs) I'm out. Yeah. And you, you, you know, the reason it's successful is because of you. The reason why it's yeah. resonant and has this, you know, pop, pop culture, you know, significance is because of you. And then, you know, the people are just like, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're going to do our own thing. It's tough. It is. It's that might be the more interesting thing about the trilogy, the sequel trilogy. Like that's, a, that might be a hot take, but it's more like the, the business and the drama that goes behind it where it's like, Okay, that that is a bad and hot take. I was I'm thinking about it, but like it is, it's so much more than like a lot of other things. Where I'm like, yeah, you you don't think about it being kind of someone's life work, and then they have to walk away for a lot of movies. Like it's not like if someone who who do they have the same director for the Fast and Furious movies? Uh so Justin Lin has done a bunch, but like it's not the same every time. He's he did this last one. I don't think he did the eighth one. Okay. Uh, I think he did the sixth and the seventh, and then someone else did the eighth. I don't know. I haven't seen the last two, so I've seen. But yeah, I don't know they switch them up a little bit. I don't. Know. I saw the last one that Paul Walker was alive for. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one too. And that that I it's the only one I've seen. I don't need to see any more. It's cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think about those where like people like going to see Fast and Furious, and so to me, I'm just like. It's not even like the person who created that. It's not like they'd be like, yeah, I'm walking away from my life's work. They'd be like, all right, cool. Because it hasn't been the last 40 or 50 years of pop culture that has defined it. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so mind blowing to me. I'm I'm really interested to see if he if moving forward he gets to I mean I'm sure he won't get to have no. any more creative input but I know that he's cool with Favreau I know that there's been set photos of him like where when they're shooting the Mandalorian and like he's been there and he's you know he has a good relationship with those people I don't know if he has a good relationship with the main trilogy people but I don't know we'll see well I I just I continue to hope that there'll be some 
some dope storytelling moving forward. That's all I can all I can say. I think that'll happen. Like yeah. I think that's a good hope that will it it will come to fruition. Um, it just might take some time. It might take some like breaks and um, a lot of different people coming together and thinking through like what makes sense because yes, at the end of the day, it is a business. They want to make money, which means they care about the creativity and the engagement. So they're going to have to come to us, the people with ideas that we're willing to throw money at. And by us, we mean us specifically the two of us so we can write this movie. Yeah, yeah. I oh, that's you. I want to support you in that. I don't feel good about being able to write a Star Wars movie. <laughs> At least pitch oh the God. ideas. Pitch some ideas. I'd sit in front of someone and just talk. I'd man, I'd grab a bottle of wine and be like, "Listen, here's what we should do. Call it okay. <laughs> Call it that. That might be the best day of work ever. And that that's saying something. My best day of work was dressing up as Chip the Buffalo. <laughs> Hard to top that. Oh man. Wait, that's that's a good place to end it. <laughs> that's a perfect that's the perfect capstone of this conversation. It was it was great. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We will be talking about the Mandalorian next. So Mando. Make sure you're subscribed to Tailgate Tailgate Society podcast so that you get notified when the podcast drops into your feed. We will see y'all next time when we talk about Mando. Let's get it. <laughs>